we're going to Miami. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I, I speak Spanish for sure. Uh, Heat wave, second to last. I'm, it's man, I'm kind of sad. This is come back. Thirty two straight days of Brodo, and they're going to take this weekend off. What's up with that? But yeah. Oh, by the way, but we're going to go till Thursday. That makes thirty two days. So what could be Friday? Will there be something on Friday? Maybe we have a surprise for you on Friday. I don't know. I don't know. It's not like I'm in charge or anything. So I don't know. I don't know. Download the Fantasy Football by Roto app. Join the Patreon for leagues with us. The leagues are starting up this week. So you must come now for as little as $3 a month. Uh, Episodes, extra episodes, personal consultations, the cheat sheet, which is dropping. I don't know exactly what day it is today, but maybe even today. Check it out. Let's get into it. The Dolphins. Let's do it. Tonight, yet another staggering heat wave striking fantasy football. Hot and so hot and hot. So hot and oh. The last time that I remember the Jets and the Dolphins both having an actual chance in the division. I was having conversations with my friend Ronald Straker in the 2006 high school lunchroom. That's when this time these two teams were both good at the same time. It's coming again, and we're going to talk about it today. I'm going to talk about it with you, with my guys, of course, Michael and Matt. What's good, fellas? What's up, team? Michael, what's, what's up, up, team? Well, yeah, why'd you I was still to muted. What up? <laughs> it was like uh, in dinner for schmucks. Help me, team. <laughs> Yo, that that movie underrated. I feel yeah, like solid movie. Uh, it's it's completely ridiculous. But... Matt, off the top of your head, before we get into this, off the top of your head, if you had to watch only one movie on loop for the rest of your life, and it had to be that one movie, doesn't have to be necessarily your favorite movie, but a movie that you could watch on loop for the rest of your life, which one would it be? Is are you in deep thought or are you muted? Johnny Darko. Donnie Darko is a good one. I, I mine is dark as well. Mine is the dark. Oh, muted again. Donnie Darko. <laughs> I got no. We got you. We got no, you. Yeah. Donnie Darko. What about you, Michael? I think mine's the yeah. Dark Knight. I love that. Probably movie. go. Probably go. My cousin Vinny. My cousin Vinny's a classic. So you're going with a funny movie. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Uh, I mean, I'll tell you what. If they had their pick of anyone in the league, I think after what happened last year and with the resume that this guy has. Uh, the Dolphins would pick their head coach every time again, and that's Mike McDaniel. It's his 17th uh, season in the NFL, despite being just 40 years old. Second season with the Dolphins as their head coach after gaining wide recognition as the offensive mastermind of the 49ers, both as the offensive coordinator and the pass game coordinator, uh, run game coordinator, excuse me. McDaniels also served as the lead play caller and designer for the team. In 2022, McDaniel helped the Dolphins offense finish in the top 10 for the first time since 1995. Miami averaged 600, 364.5 yards per game, sixth in the league, 6.14 yards per play, which was second in the league. Their offensive coordinator is Frank Smith, even though their offensive coordinator is really Mike McDaniel. Smith's services as the Dolphins' offensive coordinator are a little more than practically just nothing. Like I mean, He's just the assistant. Uh, I don't want to say nothing. 
All right, like the, no disrespect. He's the assistant. Uh, Smith is in his second year as Dolphins offensive coordinator, joining the team McDaniel uh, with McDaniel in 2022. In the 2023 season, marks the 20th year of professional coaching for Smith, including 14th at the NFL level and sixth in the college ranks. Last season, nine and eight record that was second in the AFC East. They ranked 11th in points per game, 10th in pass percentage, 26th in run percentage. On offense, they added quarterback Mike White which could play a role if Tua still has those concussion issues. Wide receiver Braxton Berrios, who right now looks like he is going to start as their slot receiver. Rookie wide receiver Devin McCain, which I'm I'm hoping that he's all right. After running back. Running back, what did I say? Uh, wide receiver. My bad. Um, and rookie tight end Elijah Higgins. Their offensive subtraction is tight end Mike Kosicki. Uh, so let's get into this team. Uh, let's start with the quarterback because the quarterback is where it's going to be. He's going to be the one that decides uh, who flourishes in this offense. Last year, the offense was... Incredibly better with Tua. That's one of the reasons why they went out and got Mike White. They watched Mike White play with the Jets and were very much convinced that he can hold down the fort if Tua is not there. So with that being said, how are we looking at this quarterback position? I absolutely love Tua this year. Uh, last year finishes the QB 9 in points per game, 18.4, 0 0.52, uh, 0.52 true throw value that's hard to get off the tongue which was qb5 um qb5 overall and true throw value ranked as one of the best quarterbacks in the league before obviously those concussions surfaced and he suffered his first concussion and was uh only one yard below patrick mahomes in yards per game before that concussion uh and led all quarterbacks in completion percentage yards per attempt and fantasy points per attempt up until that injury somehow he still managed to finish the season with 3548 passing yards but that was 12th overall 25 passing touchdowns that was qb8 despite playing in only 10 10 healthy games and although his efficiency predictably regressed from his monumental gap he had on the competition to begin the season, he still finished first in the league in yards per attempt, third in air yards per attempt, eighth in fantasy points per attempt, first in deep ball completion percentage, seventh in pressured completion percentage, and he was getting pressured a lot. The fourth most pressured quarterback in the NFL actually last season. And he was second in red zone completion percentage, third in QBR, third in EPA, and again, a true throw value of QB5. It's to his second year with Mike McDaniel, an improved offensive line, added speed weapons with Devonta Chain in-house, third year Jalen Waddle, wide receiver one overall from 2022 Tyreek Hill, I'm all in on Tua this season, and I think he'll absolutely probably be my most drafted quarterback in redraft and, and wow. early dynasty as I continue to do. Wow, really, you're most drafted. So you are right now. You're staying clear of the quarterbacks. You're punting quarterback, and you're drafting Tua because that's you're getting Tua as like quarterback yes. 10, 11 right now, right? Yeah. yeah, even like 12, 13, he's in that Dak Prescott range, which Dak is being criminally underrated, as we mentioned on the Cowboys heat wave as outside of the top 12 quarterbacks in redraft. So, yeah, I'm, I mean, especially with that safety net, obviously being the philosophical team building play, like I'm I'm 100 percent going all in on two as as QB one. And and my hot take for, you know, although we weren't doing hot takes this season, like my hot take for this year would be that Tua outscores Joe Burrow in points per game. My only issue with Tua, like I don't, I don't dislike Tua by any means, and he certainly has a reasonable ADP. I just I can't remember a QB that's more injury like 
prone going into a season than Tua. Like this Chad guy Pennington. could, this guy could legit. All right, I, in my lifetime playing fantasy football, Tim, shut up. This guy could yeah, legitimately yeah. get concussed in week one Teddy and B. miss the entire season. Like that's not that out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, like it's he's in a a bad spot when it comes to the concussions. I really, really hope he stays healthy the entire season. But I mean, he was injured in Alabama too. There were injuries besides these concussions. That's my issue with Tua. I know people like to say injury prone is a, a fake thing. Yeah, totally. I totally don't agree with that at all. Um, so that's my only issue with Tua. I, I'm definitely a little scared of the injury risk because if he does go down, then you're left streaming quarterbacks the entire year. For me, too, I, the, Tua is, a, you know, I, although I agree with your logic and that if you're he is a good player to take if you're punting quarterback and you're taking quarterback late. I don't like those late quarterbacks like Geno and Dak and Daniel Jones and and Tua. That whole group. Bro, give me Dak any day. Like I don't understand the Dak. I went over it on the Cowboys pod. Yeah, no, yeah, whatever, give me Dak but... too. But I feel the same. Actually, I feel stronger about Tua. <laughs> like I'll be honest. That yeah. Deshaun Watson you even put in there. Like that whole group of quarterbacks. I'm trying to stay away from in the drafts, and I'm trying to get one of those like Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, somewhere in like that six seven. Range. I feel like that's the the hot spot for the quarterback th- this year. But for two, I think what really scares me away from him is that he is so dependent on the deep ball. I think I don't know if you look at the, a well, lot. He has of, Hill and Waddle, bro. Right. But if you look at a lot and of the Tyree metrics, last, if you look at a lot of the metrics last year, it was just like they could not move the ball in a consistent manner. It was just that they hit big plays more than anyone else in the NFL. So and he was the most accurate deep ball thrower in the NFL last season. And when you have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, it's hard to do that. It's yeah. hard not to. So what I'm oh, concerned sure. about is that he's a product of those two, right? So, and if one of those two goes down, which is, you know, in the NFL, it's a possibility, then you're going to see a Tua that is no longer as, you know, that is a hundred yards less passing a game because he doesn't have two fifty yard bombs to, to string together. So I, I, I yeah, think that, and I mean, I, I can, can definitely understand that argument as well, but like as far as like the accuracy concerned, it's it. Tua definitely has maybe a little bit of a lack of arm strength. I'll concede that, but he also w- is literally the most accurate collegiate quarterback in the history of college football. So it's it's it, he's very product accurate. of them. You know, it's it's a product of everything. Like right, like Mike McDaniel built that system perfectly for them. It's two speed weapons, which is what he had in Alabama with Devonte Smith, and you know, so like it's yeah, it's very similar to how he's always found success. But it's hard to say. It, that he's simply a product of of the talent around him because he's always done this, always just been incredibly accurate. Yeah, I'm speaking of incredibly accurate. He has two guys to throw to that are always open, so that makes accuracy even more important. Uh, this is a weird team because in terms of the wide receiver room, it could not be more clearer. It's funnel. Right? You're talking about two guys that got 50% of the entire team's passes combined last year, right? So Rightfully so. Rightfully so. Yeah. So it's a funnel offense. Uh and that's Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Completely different from the backfield, which is a mess. Good luck, Michael. Um, but let's go to the more guaranteed uh, place, which is the which is the wide receiver room. So Tyreek Hill, first of all, he is the model of consistency. Last year, just three games outside of the top 24. All right. And two of those games came against Sauce Gardner. All right. So when he did not play Sauce Gardner, he had one game outside of the top 24. Um he had 29% of the team's targets despite Jalen Waddle being on the team and being in Alabama with Tua. He still out-earned targets by 10%. Like, Jalen Waddle was at 20%. Tyreek Hill was at 29-point-something percent. He he blew him out of the water because Tyreek Hill is just that good. For me, it's 
Justin Jefferson, it's Jamar Chase, and it's Tyreek Hill. And if at any point between, like, and I don't, I'll put him in front of Cooper Cup, and at if at any point there is any Joe Burrow is not going to start in the beginning of the season type news, I am moving Tyreek Hill up in front of Jamar Chase. That's how much I like Tyreek Hill this year. Uh, I think he's going to kill. I think he's going to be. A, I think he's going to be fantastic. On the other hand, Jalen Waddle. Look, I've had this philosophy since I'm a young tyke. All right, since I'm in that, since I'm in that room with Ronald Straker. Shout out to me. Shout out Ronald Straker twice on the Dolphins pod. Uh, if he's listening, he'll appreciate it. Uh, it. I was in that lunchroom and I was in the back of that Greek class, and we were debating. And I had the same strategy in, in fantasy football then. If a team's wide receiver is not the alpha wide receiver on his own team, I don't want to use a high draft capital pick on him. That's just a philosophy I've had, and you know what? It's given me a lot of success. And this year, there's three guys in that category. T. Higgins, Devontae Smith, and the Dolphins' own Jalen Waddle. Now, all these guys are going in the third round, sprinkled throughout the third round, and you know, some guys you're passing on here. One of the if one of the great QBs falls, you're passing on that. Passing on a guy like Mark Andrews that gives you a super big tight end advantage. You're passing on some very very good running backs like Joe Mixon, right? These these guys who are going to get burned. You know, so you're you're really passing up on some like th- these guys are are going to be workhorses. These they kind called of, Joe Derek Mixon Henry. a really really good running back. Yeah, I know. Dude, I can't, I couldn't. Come on, it. guys. Come on. You know what? You, you gotta you gotta you gotta evolve. The time. Just just. You gotta evolve the time. No, you gotta you gotta <laughs> emphasize that you mean at ADP. At okay? ADP, yes. And Derrick yeah, Henry at ADP. You're passing on guys like this to draft these guys. And the reason why I don't like drafting them is because they tend to disappear. Now, this is a Jalen Waddle segment. I know that. But we're gonna talk about the other two guys first. I mean the other two guys as well, not just him. Uh T. Higgins, right? Finished as outside of a wide receiver. Finished as, I'm sorry, as a wide receiver one just four times. To give you an idea of what I'm talking about, that is the same as Juju Smith-Schuster, right? Um, He finished outside of the top 36 wide receivers five times. Five separate times outside of the top 36. To give you an idea of what we're talking about, a guy that's being taken just uh, one round earlier, Tyreek Hill, only had three appearances outside the top 24, right? So you're talking about a huge, uh, very huge differential there. I don't want that on my team. I don't want a guy who could just, who the bottom can fall out. Tim, now we're talking about just one round earlier. The all right, first fine. round. The That's first round wide receiver is different. Sometimes you got to paint the brush. Sometimes you got to paint the brush. All right. So speaking of painting the brush, uh, Devontae Smith, the Eagles wide receiver. He's going in the third round. Okay, he's he's got the highest ADP of the whole of the whole gang. So late second, really. But. Yeah, yeah, but no, I, actually, I don't see what this has to do with Jalen Waddle so much either. <laughs> he's, I mean, you'll see in a second. Op- Devontae Smith, and I've got Devontae such a good rebuttal already. Devontae Smith in the first up until week twelve, he finished outside of the, of top of the top twenty four wide receivers one, two, three, four, five, six half the time. He finishes a wide receiver one just twice. And on top of that, he bottomed out at wide receiver 20, got completely zeroed in the first game of the season. No catches, right? Now, he had a really hot end to the season. That's what everyone else wants to remember. 
And then you're talking about Jalen Waddle. And Jalen Waddle is the highest ADP of these guys. But honestly, he's the worst culprit of what's going on here in terms of just disappearing and not being able to, to come back. And my as my phone locks, so I need to get these stats back. Here they are. All right. Waddle finished outside of the top 24 wide receivers. Guess how many times last year? Guess a number. Six times. Matt? Seven. Ten times. Ten. And it was it was just one game up, one game down, one game up, one game down. It would be fine. But last year, there was two stretches where he went absolutely brick cold. From week three to seven, he finished as a wide receiver 28, 60, 76, 14, okay, 26, okay. So he, he kind of got it, got started getting a little better as it gone on. Then he went on a little hot streak. But what really murdered you, what really killed you was his second cold streak. That came from weeks 10 to 14. And if you had him and you were and you were counting on him in weeks 10 to 14, he's one of the reasons maybe why you didn't even make the playoffs at all in the first place. Week 10, wide receiver 38, 12, uh, week 12, wide receiver 29. Then wide receiver 98, wide receiver 69. That's between 10 and 14, and he missed a game uh, because of he missed a game there in the middle. So you're talking about a guy in Jalen Waddle who completely disappeared for stretches of three or four games at a time last year. And it's not because he's not talented, but it's because when those offenses are broken down by good defenses or they're in bad situations on the road, whatever they may be facing, whatever the, the obstacle may be, two is going to be looking for Tyreek Hill. He's the guy who's going to get the most targets. And there's a chance Jalen Waddle completely disappears. When you're talking I mean, about a team's number one target, that almost never happens. So that's why when I'm in, when I'm facing down that decision, right? When I'm because I've been doing a lot of mocks. When I'm facing down that decision of these kind of these number two wide receivers in that area, the tier just below them, you're looking at Debo Samuel, you're talking about Keenan Allen, you're talking about Calvin Ridley. I feel like those are guys that I'd rather draft on my team a round later in the fourth round than get these number two wide receivers in the third round that tend to disappear, including Jalen Waddle. And it's nothing against his physical prowess. He's one of the best receivers in the league. But it's just that when you're playing across from an alpha, you got to be double alpha. And Tyreek Hill is the alpha of all alpha. I mean, he's a cheetah. He will kill you. Well, Waddle, if you're playing PPR, though, Waddle had eight games outside the top 24 receivers, which eight games inside the top 24, like wide receivers are just inherently volatile. Wide it's really not bad. And you're also super overrated. It's outside the top 36, not 24. No, outside the top 36, he had way less games than 10. I don't know what you're looking at. What do you mean? No, you know what, you know what I'm looking at. Well, it's also like you're <laughs> saying outside of that Calvin Ridley thing, who I think can bounce back, like you're legitimately just being like, like I get, I get the statement of it being cheaper ADPs, but like, you're like, I'd rather take guys that score less points per game <laughs> because they're yeah, super. It's not about that, though. It's about the guys who just disappear. Like, yeah, these guys are going to – don't get me wrong. They're good players. But they're going to get you some some explosion games too. Like all these guys also had – I think every, each one of these guys had at least one week where they finished in the top three wide receivers in a week. So, like, they're going to get you explosion games. But I just don't want that – I don't want a player – that's that volatile as my best receiver or my uh, second best receiver. I don't want that. In PPR, he had six games outside the top thirty-six. In PPR, he's he's well, when a, they finished top he's fifteen a, he's also, per game. I mean, that's 
really all I'm searching catcher, for. Like, yeah, yeah, I don't I, have I any issues. Outside the top 24, 10 times, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I, mean, I know. I'll, I'll also that's what I said, that, that but then you said 36. The philosophy of not drafting two wide receivers from the same team because uh, the other guy is the 1B or the B is absolutely ridiculous. At 1.2 teams on average out of 32, so a little more than one per year finish with two top 12 wide receivers on the same team. Um, 18 out of 32 receivers have two wide receivers in the top 24. And it's obviously you're, if you have two in the top 30, like you're not even talking about great receivers at that point, but yeah, almost all 32 teams have at least two in the top 36. So, I mean, if I, I mean, at, at the end of the day though, like while you're right, the way that you get to the top 12, 12, top 24, top 36, there's different ways you can get there. And if the way you're getting there is you're getting 30 points one game and zero points another game, I'm not looking for that. Okay, I, I get the risk version. My third best player. Too volatile for cost. That's, oh, yeah. You're talking about a guy as a sophomore. He went 1,350 yeah. and eight touchdowns. And he also, like, you're just throwing to the side the games he played without Tua, too, like the Skylar Thompson game against the Jets, which was a joke of a game. See, but that's Skylar the thing, Thompson though. Like, like You just mentioned that you're scared to draft Tua because it's possible to to have that. No, if I don't Tua want... goes down, if Tua goes down and it's Mike White, who do you think Mike White is going to be targeting more? Tyree Hill? Like, I like Mike White. I know or that. Potentially Jalen Waddle, actually, because he's ah, a lower level of ADOT. Either way, I, I don't have Much an issue going. drafting Jalen Waddle where he's going. But Yeah, me either. That guy's good. All right, he's good well, at football. It's up to you guys. That's that's why I we agree. give you that's why we give you all the opinions I'd, here. Like I take him over. I take him over Mark Andrews every day of the week. All right. Yes. And, so let's... and and probably the other wide receivers that you mentioned in that range. <laughs> all right. All so let's. Them. All right. So so at this at this moment, we're all gonna at on when I say three, you're gonna say who is the starting running back? Who's gonna get the most carries for the Dolphins this season? All right. Okay. You have to. Yep. You, you say can't Jonathan. say you can't say Jonathan Taylor. Ah, <laughs> no, yeah, no, there's rumors right now at, at time of recording. I was going to do Kareem Hunt too, but I, I'll I'll refrain. All right, ready? One, two, three. Jeff, Jeff Wilson. Wilson. Oh, <laughs> well, none of us said a cane. All right, Michael, go ahead. Yeah, um, let's dive into these running backs. Who? Oh yeah, yeah, Mike McDaniel and his running backs. Look, right now, Devin Achain is going. Uh, First among these running backs, an underdog is RB38, 116 overall. Uh, Raheem Mostert, RB47, 12th round pick, and Jeff Wilson, RB53. On FFPC, a chain is RB39, uh, Mostert's RB52, and Wilson is RB53. <clears throat> so wow, that's the a way bigger gap, yeah. So FFPC likes a chain, underdog likes a chain. That's the way people are drafting. Obviously, everybody's always shooting for the upside in the rookie. Mark me down as a skeptic of his. I know we're talking about a running like like a super, super fast running back in a Mike McDaniel offense. We're also talking about a running back who's 5'8, 190 on a good day, and his build is closer to Devontae Smith than it is an NFL running back. Like I understand that he's unbelievably fast. He's also tiny. He's a rookie, and he's in a backfield with Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson, two running backs who Mike McDaniel picked out because he knows he can have success with them and has had success with them both in San Francisco and in Miami. Um, a chain is also dealing with a shoulder injury right now. Um, it's not supposed to be a significant injury, but after getting not absolutely bodies. <laughs> exactly. That's what happens when you're like 5'8", 190 as a running back in the NFL. That's it's It's a little bit concerning. Um, so, but it's never good for a rookie to be missing practice and preseason time due to injury to begin with. Um, with that being said, look, the two headed monster of Raheem Moser and Jeff Wilson 
basically rendered Chase Edmonds irrelevant last year. Remember, Chase Edmonds was a hot pick in like the sixth, seventh round. Oh my god! Yeah, Jeff Wilson came over halfway through the season. He, the The Dolphins traded for him, and he was productive right from the jump. He had two top twelve performances, several top twenty four performances. He even out touched Raheem Mostert in five of the six games where they were help where they were healthy together. And look, no one knows exactly how this RB situation is going to play out. Obviously, but Chain's a rookie. They uh, they they drafted him in the third round. Raheem Mostert has always had success when healthy, but he's already 31 years old and probably the most injury-prone running back in the league. And then you have the trustworthy Jeff Wilson, who's just always there, 27 years old, always gets the job done when called upon. And look, if you, like Tim said, who do you think is going to get the most carries? We said Jeff Wilson. Um, Matt said Raheem Mostert. I'm on now. No one really, honestly, though, no one really, like, knows. It's a very fluid backfield, fluid situation. Like, we saw at times last year, where it seemed like you should start Raheem Mostert, and then Jeff Wilson had the big game, and vice versa. That's how it is in this backfield, and now there's a third running back added to that mix as well. So in redraft, I think it's going to be a bit of a headache. I don't mind drafting any of them at ADP because they're all going so late. A chain, I'm not drafting a chain, really. He's going in, like, the 10th round. There's better players there, in my opinion. But Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert are round, like, 14, 15 picks, which is just... Add them to your bench, and they're going to end up being helpful assets to your team at some point. Um, I also like Jeffrey Wilson a lot in uh, best ball, where he mostered in best ball. But in terms of redraft, Devin change is slightly expensive for my taste, and Mostert and Wilson are nice little dart throws. But I slightly prefer Wilson of the two, despite the fact that he's going the latest of this running back room. Wilson played really well last year too. Like a, yeah. a lot of people don't realize, like even in the receiving game, he was an issue. Like he was 18th and two true target value. He was third and eight out among running backs. So he was running routes and catching the ball past the line of scrimmage. Uh, he had a hundred, uh, 860 rushing yards, only 176 attempts. That's 4.9 per carry. That's 15th in the league. You know, like he had seven big plays. That was 19th in the league and he had limited opportunities. Like this is a guy who could ball and he's every time he's gotten the opportunity, he could play. So I'm I'm betting on Jeffrey Wilson. I think that he's a, uh, you know what it is like. He would be such a bigger steal if I didn't think like even though I think at the end of the day, Jeffrey Wilson's gonna have the most uh, like touches. That doesn't mean he's gonna play. Like, he's gonna be the best player week by week. Like most is gonna have his yeah. weeks, and I would bet a chain has some weeks. Yeah, I mean he's certainly I'd say the least athletic of the three, but he's just he's reliable and he gets the job done. All right, tight end. This is the ugliest position group on the Dolphins by far uh, after getting rid of Mike Gusecki, who they didn't utilize whatsoever last season anyway, albeit for the one like showcase trade game. And I never, ever buy into that narrative, but they essentially like they put him on the dr- trade bo- block publicly the, you know, for multiple weeks before the trade deadline. And then the game before the trade deadline, he has one of the best games of his career. So yeah. I really do think that was like, them showcasing that it's not a position that Mike McDaniel is going to utilize consistently as you also saw in San Francisco even with a player like George Kittle having lots of games where he essentially just played as a de facto right tackle on the depth chart as it stands right now you have Durham Smythe is listed as the starting tight end for the Dolphins Um, and that whole position last season accounted for just 47 of the team's 
368 total receptions. Smythe himself accounted for 15 of those 47 tight end receptions, 129 yards, one touchdown, played 16 games. Besides him, it's Tyler Croft, Eric Saubert as the depth pieces, two players that have combined for 58 total receptions in a combined 69 career games played between the two of them. And that brings me to the most obvious and overlooked upside pass catcher on the Dolphins offense and well, on the Dolphins tight end room and my favorite segment of the show, which I'll just transition into now, the dynasty stash. And that's rookie tight end Elijah Higgins, who has looked phenomenal throughout preseason, has gotten a ton of good camp hype and is an incredible receiver because he's never played tight end before. Elijah Higgins transferred to or changed his position designation rather to tight end from wide receiver before the NFL draft um, and before the combine testing, obviously quite well as that transition goes with a six foot five, 230 pound tight end that is used to playing wide receiver. So he's athletically absolutely incredible. Um, he's essentially free in all leagues. He's going undrafted in rookie drafts, mostly unless you're playing up to the sixth round, maybe a little late in the fifth, you'll see some guys take him, but still rostered in under 50% of dynasty leagues across both MFL and sleeper platforms, depending on where you like to play. Higgins has virtually no experience at the position. But again, 6'5", 235, 4'5", 4, 4, 40-yard dash, 1.56 second 10-yard split, 35-inch vertical leap, 10-foot 6-inch broad jump, 7.013 cone, so not the most agile guy either, but speed and burst scores both above the 85th percentile. In an offense predicated on speed and open space, Higgins profiles is the best fit for the Dolphins. If he can refine his skills as an inline blocker whatsoever, I think he'll definitely carve out a role for himself ahead of guys like Durham Smythe and Eric Saubert. Is there any reason to have Durham Smythe on a dynasty roster? I yeah. I mean, the reason being he's a starting tight end in the NFL. All right. <laughs> uh that's it. Next we go to the Jets and we're done. That's it. Over. Yeah. And then on Friday. Sweet. We have a special surprise for you. So tune in on Friday. We're not going to leave you hanging going into the weekend. A lot of the new, um, a lot of the, of the drafts are coming up this weekend, this weekend, next weekend, and the weekend after. We got three weekends of drafts uh, for all of your drafting needs. We love you all. Thank you for listening. Follow us on all the socials at Brodo Fantasy at FFI Brodo. You could uh, YouTube.com slash Brodo Fantasy to see our ads. Go see, go, go, go check them out. Uh, until next time, see you tomorrow. Peace. Well,